The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Welcome to the Modern Christian Men Podcast with your host, Kale Nelson. Welcome into the Modern Christian Men Show. With us today, we have a very special guest, Jay Warner Wallace, who I found you on Twitter. I'm not a television guy, so I have never seen you on television. But it's said that you are one of the most sought-after cold case detectives in the country. Is that a correct assumption here? Oh gosh, you know that's going to sound pretty arrogant if I say yes to that, right? No, it's so, not. We just we know we want to know who we're talking to here. Well, I mean, we've we've done cases that happen to be in the limelight because I'm working in Los Angeles County, and so what what that means is I, I end up on on these national shows like Dateline. I think I've been on Dateline more than anybody else in the country. And so if you, that happens to you, that you're going to get you know a thousand requests, and unfortunately. The vast majority of those, I just can't, I can't jump in. You know, that that's one of the tricks about working cold cases is it really requires the local agency to do the heavy lifting. And right. and if that local agency isn't interested or just too busy because it's a case from 30 years ago, the best thing we can do is figure out a way to get that agency interested rather than have somebody come from across the country and jump in. So, yeah, I do get asked, but I wish I could, I could be of more service. You know, <laughs> well, it's, it's it's an awesome time to have you here. I found you on Twitter. And you had some of the most compelling tweets that I that I've read, which really drew me into this argument within myself about apologetics, and that's what I really want to talk to you about today. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the Bible says that we should contend, you know, be contentious for our faith or, or stand up and, and fight for our faith. But I've got to I've got to ask you the the most obvious question here. You were not a believer years ago. Then something happened, and you became a believer, and now you are contending for your faith on a daily basis, uh, creating uh, books for adults and children. Uh, you're just out there in the world, changing the world through apologetics and an understanding that a lot of us don't have. So can you tell us how you came to faith in Jesus and what it took to get you there? Yeah, I can. Uh, at the end of this, let me let's talk a little bit about the nature of testimony, anyway, because I get sure. I get asked this question a lot, and sometimes it just comes out as, as an expression. You know, what is your testimony? Can you sure. share with us your testimony? Um, I'll tell you what happened for me is I was a guy who was uh, not raised in the church, not raised around anybody who was in the church, didn't know any Christians. The only Christians I knew were as adults. You know, I started to meet these guys on the department. Uh, some of the officers were Christians, but if I'm honest with you, they were not the most thoughtful. Christians probably that are out there. As a matter of fact, when I would ask them why they thought the Bible was true, they, they really didn't have good answers. And my friends and I, who were not Christians, found it pretty easy to mock these guys, especially because as a, as a cop, you're going to struggle. You're going to be, you know, you're going to find yourself doing things uh, that you don't want to have to do because you're getting called to nasty places you don't want to go. And you're going right. to find yourself having to touch dead people. And and even, you know, the Christians who who are there alongside you, they may not respond much better to that kind of death and destruction than you do. And so you kind of wonder, you know, why are you a Christian at all? And I would ask those questions, you know, why are you a Christian? The guys I knew just didn't have good answers. Now, mm-hmm. they had great answers about why this particular suspect was good for this case or why they believed X, Y, or Z. But when it came to their faith, they just seemed to accept it blindly, um, or they had been raised that way. Uh, they just didn't; have, they weren't really able to answer the tough objections I might offer. Just really as a guy who, 
was just skeptical like most cops. We're all skeptical. You know, that's why we, we you know, are effective in our jobs because we are um, not the kind of people who trust everybody. Um, and then the other group of, of Christians I knew were the people who were taken to jail because a lot of these folks you take to jail would say, yeah, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. You know, I'm a Christian. And you're like thinking to yourself, really? So, so you, I got two groups here that are modeling Christianity for me. Neither one is doing a great job. And I was just not interested. But my wife was somebody who wanted to go to church, and I was willing to make my wife happy. So I went with her one day here locally, and uh, it took about three years for her to get me to go while we were in this neighborhood. But um, when I went, the pastor just happened to pitch Jesus as uh, a smart, ancient – he said a lot of things about Jesus. But the stuff that was interesting to me was this notion that he was a smart guy whose moral teaching was foundational to Western culture. And so I bought a Bible just to see what the teaching of Jesus was. And that's when I started getting interested in the Gospels and uh, started to kind of assess them as eyewitness accounts, given what I knew was the nature of reliable eyewitnesses. It took about six months for me to get through that process where I finally was comfortable that um, what the Bible records in the first century actually occurred. And, of course, that changes everything. If you got a guy who came out of the grave, I'm, I'm silly enough to want to listen to him. <laughs> So, so that did change the, my approach. But people will often say, "Well, I did, I've never, you know, I've never met anybody who came to Christianity through apologetics." Well, now you have, and I'm not alone. There's tons of us out there. As a matter of fact, I would argue that when people ask you, "What is your testimony?" I would say, I usually say, "Well, okay, I'll share it with you." But just so you know, my testimony doesn't matter, and either does yours. The only thing that matters is whether or not this is true. Because to be honest with you, I, I've got – my dad is remarried. He married in the 1960s to a woman who became a Mormon pretty quickly. And I've got six half-brothers and sisters who are all raised Mormon. And they would be happy to share with you their testimony. That does not make Mormonism true either. Everyone has got a testimony, regardless if you're a Buddhist, a Muslim, a Mormon, or whatever. What matters is, is the thing you're – look – it's true that, that the apostles testified, but they didn't testify about themselves. They testified as eyewitnesses of the resurrection. That's a very different kind of testimony. I think we've just taken that word testimony, and we've turned it away from what it was biblically to what we think it is today. Mm. And so I'm okay with sharing testimony as long as you realize this, has, this has, says nothing about whether or not Christianity is true. Because what, what I see happening for most of us is we'll go to a conference or something and somebody will share a testimony of how God has changed their life. By the way, that is every Sunday in wards across America under in, in Mormonism. Hmm. That's what happens every Sunday. Somebody shares testimony about what they've experienced as a Mormon. This does not make it true. So I think in the end, I, I, as a detective, I want to make sure I know what is true and I've got to look at the evidence to do that. And by the way, I think that's really – the way that Jesus intended this is why you see through the Gospel of John, look at chapter 10, chapter 14, places where Jesus would say, hey, if you don't believe what I'm telling you, believe in the evidence of the miracles I've worked in front of you. And that's called indirect evidence. Or believe in the testimony of John the Baptist. That's direct evidence. And later he would ask people to believe in the testimony of the disciples. That's direct evidence. So this is the nature of the Christian worldview. It's always been grounded in a dis- demonstration of the evidence. But we've been we've been so watered down in Western Civ here that that uh, like you said the word's been changed. Uh, it, it's a way to well I don't want to discount someone uh, professing what Christ has done in their life, and, sure. and that's not what you're doing either. But you're you're showing us that the Scripture is is founded on the testimony of Jesus through the eyewitness accounts 
and even his uh, miracles and all those things that happened while he was here. And it's just what we're doing. We're coming in and continuing that testimony with our lives, I guess. Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. Um, if I asked you, look, I, okay, I'm, I would potentially consider this, but, but here's the problem. Um, I, I, there's so many variations. We don't have the original documents anymore of your Bible. We don't have them. We don't have the original Gospel of Matthew, the original Gospel of John. As a matter of fact, we don't even have a, 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 the first copy of the original. We don't have a copy of a copy of the copy of the first original. We don't have any of that. Sometimes we don't have a, a document on some of these Gospels for 300 years. And when we compare the most ancient documents we have, they don't match. I mean, there's thousands of variations between the most ancient documents. Please tell me how in the world you want me to believe any of this is true, given that you don't have the original documents and the documents you do have are 300 years late and they don't match. Now, that is the objection of Bart Ehrman in one of his books. He's written several books on this issue. He's one of the best, you know, one of the probably most renowned Bible scholars in North America. He's not a believer. Mm. But he trained underneath Bruce Metzger, who was a believer. And so my question is, that's what our young people are hearing. As a matter of fact, I, I suspect if you're going to take a Bible class in a university today, there's probably an 80% chance it's going to be using his text and not a Christian text. Mm. So the question becomes – if I need you to answer that objection just so I can hear the gospel, because right now those objections are filling up my mind. I cannot hear anything you're saying about the gospel. The question is, are we prepared to answer those kinds of questions, or are we simply going to do the easy thing, which is to talk about what God has done in my life? Because, by the way, everyone can do that from memory. Yeah. The problem is the other approach to Christianity requires a little bit of work, because you're going to have to know how is that – is that claim by Barman true? And if it is true, how do we overcome that claim? Why Why is it that his master, Bruce Metzger, was a firm believer even though Bart is not? What's made the difference between these two men? Well, we have to be able to answer that question for our young people, if not for ourselves. Yeah. But that, that kind of Christianity is far more thoughtful, and that's where I'm trying to do with the church is try to encourage the church. Folks, it's time to wake up because every other worldview is is educating themselves, have got university systems in place to do that educational process. Are we ready to step up? Because if we think that in the end all we have to do is share our story, this is what Mormons do very, very well. As a matter of fact, if you were to challenge Mormons on the evidence for, for Mormonism, the first thing they'll usually do is resort to their testimony because they cannot make an evidential case for Mormonism. But it turns out if you're a Christian listening to this, you could. And now the question becomes, are you able to? And that's where it defines us as Christians. And, and that's a problem that I see even in my life is in, in having listened to some of your podcast episodes and different shows that I've heard you on before uh, mm -hmm. since finding you. I, I find myself asking myself those questions I'm, as I'm a homeschooling dad and looking at my children. Could they answer those questions without saying, well, that's what mom and dad believe or that's what we hear at church on Sunday? So uh, we, we've got the uh, the cold case books that we'll be starting here in the next semester or so with the kids. But, you know, I, I really firmly believe that many people listening, many men listening to this program are going to be scratching their head right now and saying, wow, if this guy came to me with some of those really tough questions, I don't know what I would say. And what do we do if we recognize that in ourselves? Jim, what are we supposed to do at this point? It's not too late to learn, guys. I'm, I'm not saying this is, you know, we're throwing the towel in, but we do need to be able to make a case for what we believe. Well, look at it this way. If, if you if you are in your 40s and you're working hard at work, and I, this was me, 
uh, you know, I was so stressed working in my 40s during some of these cases that were the, the, the most difficult cases I was probably ever going to work as, as a detective. And they were all high profile cases that Dateline was already with us. So I, I, as I'm working the case, Dateline's already embedded in the case. So I felt like, man, every little move we make that's, that's going to make a mistake is, is, is national, right? <laughs> and so I, they were, I was stressed. And I found myself in the hospital twice just having EKGs just over stress-related heart problems, right? And, and, but if I had had a heart attack, I guarantee, let's say, for example, I had gained a bunch of weight. Now I have a heart attack and the doctor says, well, it's your choice. Dude. Look, you've been living your life the way you've been living it. But now if you continue to live it this way, you won't be here very long. Mm. I guarantee you we would suddenly reprioritize and we would change and transform the way we think about our, 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 um, our workload, mm-hmm. the way we think about our diet and the way we even think about our exercise. And, and I've seen this happen over and over again where when, a, when the rubber meets the road and people get to that point of crisis, they make serious lifestyle changes. Well, I think we're at a place right now in the church. If you've been watching what's happening to young people and if you're shaking your fist at the cultural things that are happening and you're thinking to yourself, how did we get here? Well, I can tell you how we got here. OK, we got here because we have not been able to do the one thing that, that God tells us to do. You know, and Paul says in Ephesians four that some of us are pastors and some of us are teachers and some of us are evangelists. But if he's saying that, that means that some of us aren't those things. And apparently that's okay because Paul's saying that some of you are, but some of you aren't. But Peter doesn't give us that option in 1 Peter 3. He says all of you should be ready to make a defense, you know, to give the reason for the hope you have. Right. And those kinds of, of, of commands uh, about defending the faith are never um, positioned as you know, some of you should do this. They're always, all of you should do this. So we think, you know, we should be sharing, we should be evangelists. We should be sharing our faith. We see that as a mandate. We see that as a, as a burden, a, a good burden, a, a, the great commission burden. But, but in reality, that's not near the kind of burden we have in terms of being able to make the case because some of us are not evangelists, according to Paul. So, so I think that, you know, we really need to find our, our way here and make a decision to, 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 to step up. And yes, it, it does mean if, if you're thinking, well, gosh, I haven't been doing that and I'm not even sure how to begin. Well, look, if you were, you know, 60 pounds overweight and had your first heart attack, you'd say, well, I haven't been eating right. And I don't even know where to begin. But trust me, you would figure that out. You would get online and you would figure out what kind of diet. You'd talk to your doctor. You'd be on an exercise program. You'd be on a diet program. People live another 25 years because they change their lifestyle. Right. Well, it's time for us to change our lifestyle as Christians. Mm. And that's quite challenging when it's so, uh, so we're so used to this. Uh, let's let's take me for instance. I did grow up in a Christian home. Uh, trace my Christian roots back for years and years and years. Uh, still go to church. Still participate in church. My family, all of them that are still living, still participate and go to church. Uh, it's a, it's a southern thing. I know that's probably got something to do with it as well. But uh, there's still a lot that I can learn a lot that I can study. And I think that just for me personally, as I've learned more about uh, Jewish, Jewish history and, and the time that Christ was alive and uh, where he came from and how he uh, was presented, the world was presented to him at that time. It makes the gospels in, in a sense, make more sense. And even looking yes. at uh, other things regarding the creation, six days and whatnot, young earth, all these different things, it really makes you begin to think. And it really makes you, it has made me question for all these years that I was just just scooting by 
uh, it, it made it it changed my desire to know and to learn more. Now I can't say that I could go out and, you know, I, I really don't have the, the personality to be someone that just argues with someone, the points of, of the, the finer points of Christianity, but, but I have been educating myself, but I, you know, I know men who want to learn and to be able to, to be able to take more knowledge in, but where do they even begin finding those things? Is it just google.com or do you have some resources that you could, you know, point folks to to kind of get them like that diet? Oh, try this diet, uh, try this book, try yeah. this resource kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Right, right, right. Well, look, you said something really important. You know, I, 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 a lot of us don't have. I don't, I'm not, I may be passionate about this and I'm talking about this with you, but I'm not the kind of person who wants to argue with people either. And you'll mm-hmm. see if you watch my, my, my social media and if you watch my, my website, you'll see that I don't, I don't engage in that. This is about us being ready to answer to give a reason for those who question you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go out there and, and beat people with a stick, yeah. but I want to be ready in relationships I do have, which are always grounded in some form of loving that person you're in relationship with. Those people are going to ask you, you know, I, I, my dad's not a believer. I mean, you know, there's family members I have that are not believers. So so we, we are in a business of just being able to answer those questions. And the second part of that verse tells you how to answer those questions in First uh, Peter uh, 3.16 talks about how we're to answer them in a, a kind of gracious heart that the Savior has for the church. And if you think about that, 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 that changes things. Now, it just means am I prepared in conversations to be able to help people pull down those barriers? I'm not here to win an argument, okay? I don't even want to be involved in an argument. But I am here to help people take the roadblocks that they've erected for themselves between themselves and the gospel and to help them pull those down. Now, where do you go to do that? Well, a lot of it comes down to First of all, make a commitment to reprioritizing. So I always use this analogy. I listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And if you look at my podcasts on my phone, you'll see that they're that probably the most are not theology or apologetics. Probably the, the, the largest number, I hate to say it, are sports. Okay, <laughs> So I'm constantly listening to everyone in the sports world, especially today. You know, we're, on, we're, we're recording this on a Monday. So this is the day after NFL and there's Monday Night Football tonight. I mean, I am absorbed in the football season yeah. right now. And I waste a lot of mental energy on on sports. And you know, trust me, once the preseason is done for NBA, I'm going to be even worse. So, <laughs> so the problem I have here is that I got to make sure. Now, now when I'm playing, watching a game with my wife, and she says, "Don't teach me something about these two teams." Oh my gosh, I can get into the weeds on every single player, probably the history of the coaches. I mean, I can, I can. And she, at some point, she stops me and she says. Man, how do you know this much about these two random teams we just happen to be watching right now? Right. And I have to stop myself and go, "Wow. Yeah, why do I know this much about this? I mean, why this doesn't this is so fleeting." Yeah. Why have I wasted my mental energy on this? Okay. Something similar happens. We we, we got to first make a priority to, to to shift. And what that means is is that every it's a matter of what are you spending your your free time on? And when you're reading, you're consuming information. And, and, and what are you consuming? And when you go, when you open up your websites and you open up your internet, what, what are the websites you go and you frequent and you visit, right? I tried, we've tried diligently at a website that I host called coldcasechristianity.com that we just try five days a week to present new information that'll take you a little bit further. But I'm not the only person doing that. There's a ton. If you just Google Christian apologetics, you'll find all kinds of websites. And all of us have RSS feeds and ways to stay on top of the information. Look, I don't have to do anything to have the latest podcast on sports. And these are daily shows that are delivered to my phone automatically. 
<laughs> Once I set it up, I, I can I can I could be in a complete sports bubble if I wanted to. Yeah. Well, the same thing is true for those of us who are interested in making a case for what we believe. There's enough podcasts out there that you can search for uh, that well, you can keep yourself in apologetics a bubble if you want it. And I don't suggest you do that. I try to have my foot in the culture and my foot also in, in the case for Christianity, about equally. But my point is, most of us have, have we have already done this organic uh, discipleship in some area of culture already. A lot of us are just discipling ourselves as the next, I don't know what, the next sports broadcaster. That's what I'm, <laughs> I could probably do a sports show. My point though is, you've already decided with those areas where you're going to disciple yourself. And you're using the media already to do it. All I'm suggesting is go out now and flip the switch on those and get some balance in those and find those people who are out there who are making the case for Christianity, who are throwing the ball in a way that you can catch it. You know, I don't I try not to throw the ball. I'm not throwing curveballs at, you know, at, at, at 85 miles an hour. I'm trying to to throw them across the center of the plate, you know, nice and high at about 40 miles an hour so people can swing. Right. That's what we're trying to do as translators. Right? We're trying to take the work of these philosophical giants who are in our community and then turn them into something. This is what we do in criminal trials. We, we take those expert testimony and we try to pitch it in a way that the jury can understand it. So that we're out there and there's a lot of us out there doing this kind of work. It's just a matter of, well, am I, am I ready to, to shift my priorities? And if we aren't, that I, I get that. This is, this is you know, I can, I can understand if you said, no, I'm not really interested. Okay, fine. But then what we do is we surrender our right to complain as culture slips away from the church. Because in order to stop it from slipping away, it, you can't, you, your pastor is busy. Okay, your pastor is doing his best to, to, to swim with one, you know, he's rowing with one oar and in a boat that wants to go sideways on him half the time. And he's doing a great job. But man, he, it's up to us. He's there to equip the saints right. to do the work of service. And we're the saints he's supposed to be equipping. And, and by the way, if he's not even interested in apologetics, well, there's no excuse. There's, the, there's enough other people out there online that you could have as your mentor. And, and, you can, and they can equip the saints so the saints can do the work of ministry. It's so, it's so astounding to me when I think about how many years I, I, I've had a belief system but it was uh, only just a few years ago that I really got serious in my relationship with Jesus, in my relationship with my wife with Jesus, and how that's really dramatically changed the dynamic of my family. And you're right. It's, it's what we put our focus on. I, I previously did an amateur radio, ham radio podcast for a few years. It was really successful. And Man, everyone, everybody in that niche knows who you are when you're successful and you've got all these That's friends right. and whatnot. Uh, and then when you unplug, they're still all there. They still remember you, and that's fine. But you find you – I personally, I look back and say, wow, four years of that intensive immersion in that uh, niche hobby, uh, creating this content, and then I'm over here like doing the same thing with Jesus – and everything with him is different now, and it's good and better. And so you're right. It's just where we're going to put our head at this week. And yeah, it is. It is about about. And, I, and the good thing about it is, you, once you've decided that you're going to, if you were excited, like you said about say ham radios, and you just decided to go out and buy one, well, then it's not like you're going out every day and saying to yourself, "Wow, you know, I should, I need to form a plan to become a good ham." No, what's happening is your interest is organically leading you to this content. Because that's what you're interested in. Right. And so if you find yourself in it right now kind of struggling 
and 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 ask and, w- and wondering you know, just you're maybe not passionate about those you're you're thinking well how do I even start this pro well a lot of it is we just have to reignite our passion and then you'll see organically you're going to seek out this content anyway the same way you would if you bought your first ham radio and suddenly you want to know how to be the best ham radio operator you can be well you're organically going to go out and it's not like I have to set up a schedule for you or remind you every day hey you should be studying how to be a ham radio <laughs> operator no your interest is driving this now. Right. And, and so, so what I would suggest, it's a matter of us checking our interests. Uh, but if, if, you know, if, 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 if you don't think you're, you're studying enough, it's maybe because you're not interested enough. I hate to say that, but it's, it's the yeah. truth of it, right? So it's a matter of us trying to reignite our passion. When you look at the Gospels and, and you compare just what we're talking about here, mm-hmm. reigniting our interest in Christ or the, 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 you know, the apostle teachings there, where where is your favorite place to go when you start digging in? Well, it's going to depend on what it is. I'm so most of the time I'm digging in because I've got a question that's that's nagging at me. Okay, uh, so it's an objection usually, or something that I'm just interested in because it's nagging at me, you know. And I I got to go solve this problem. I got to go eventually address this issue, you know. So so then I start studying. So it's going to depend on what it is that is the issue. If it's a biblical manuscript issue, well then I'm going to have to go to those websites I know that I can trust that will show me. Uh, you know, what the original manuscript said, and a lot of these are bookmarked. I've also in the books that I've written, I've always tried to put these in the appendix so people who read and these are available. You could even Google this. Um, but again, we have an we're in an information age right now. Mm-hmm. So what that means is we see this with Gen Z especially. The Gen Z has access to more information than they've ever had before, but they also trust it less than they ever did before because everything looks legitimate online. And you just can't figure out who's telling you the truth. So a lot of this will be, well, if you've got a pastor maybe who – and so you'll see where I'm quoting. I'm quoting people that I trust. Mm -hmm. And I had to get to a point where I would trust those people. So just find your – start yourself into the network. Start yourself into reading people. And you'll find somebody you can trust. And there are some good sources out there. So I'll give you an example of this. Uh, To make the case for Christianity, the people I trust – of course, I've got my website. But I trust Stand to Reason, str.org some great thinkers. I was part of that organization for a time. I trust crossexamined.org, crossexamined with a D on the end, .org. I've got a writing partner right now. We're writing a book together, Sean McDowell. Uh, He's Josh McDowell's son. Uh, Sean has got a website, seanmcdowell.org. Reasons to Believe, uh, reasons.org. William Lane Craig has got a a website called Reasonable Faith. Um, these are the people who are probably the, the some of the go-to source. Ravi Zacharias's ministry has got some good written material, but I think at the end, uh, you know, there's these levels, right? You can you can get a three-minute video that can kind of take you so far. You can get a, a thousand-word blog that can take you a little further. You can get the book and take you as far as you want to go. So, so there are levels or entry levels for all of us, and that's why we try to do videos, blogs, podcasts, and books because we know that there's a level of commitment. That maybe you just want to start by watching a few videos. I get that. Then go on our website and start watching videos. Go on, on one of these websites I just mentioned and start watching the videos. It's a good entry point, right? right? And then you kind of build from there. But here's the whole point. I don't even have to tell you that because if you're interested, you wouldn't be asking me. You'd be Googling it already. You already kind of find your way in organically. And sometimes this happens because your kids are that first point of crisis. I see it a lot. I used to always say if you want to get apologetics in the church – Simply energize the moms of junior hires because those moms know 
that their kids are already starting to go sideways. They already know that their kids are not as interested as they used to be. And they've got questions. And they've probably been asking some questions that mom and dad can't even answer. And it's at that age that people start thinking, well, maybe I should have a better – or they'll say, well, if you asked your youth leader, you know, and then they don't get back around to it to see if the youth leader even gave an answer. I think that's part of the problem, and, and if you survey young people who leave the faith and they are in huge numbers, and that number is growing every year, you'll see that they will tell you that they had unanswered intellectual objections or questions, and when they asked those questions of their youth pastor, they didn't get the kind of answer that they that they felt was satisfying intellectually, and they, they would get answers from school, and that's what school's designed to do. Mm-hmm. But they didn't feel like they were getting those answers in their in their from their parents or from their leadership. And this is a very common complaint of now look, I think a lot of this is just volitional. They don't want to be they don't want it to be true because they want to chase their passions. But I'm looking, if nothing else, to remove all their excuses. So if they're just offering the intellectual objections as excuses, fine. Let's remove all of those and get down to what's really the the issue. But you won't get down to the real issue if you cannot remove the excuses at least. So I think it's important for us to be able to at least remove the excuses. And that's not you beating up on a youth director because you played that part for quite oh, some time no, as well. I get that. Oh, yeah. No, no, I get that. Let me tell you, this is, the pressure is I don't even know how anyone does the job of pastor or youth pastor. It's so hard because there are so many competing interests, and and it's, it's a big job. And because, to be honest, we're, that, as a youth pastor, you're sometimes asked to fill in the gaps and do things your parents should be doing. Mm. But they're not. So they kind of push, they kind of roll it downhill to the youth pastor. They, you know, if your kids have a question about God, to be honest, we need to be the best Christian apologists that our kids know. And so I can't, you can't get a book from Jim Wallace, J. J. Warner Wallace, and give it to your kids. You need to get that book or get some resource so that you know what the answer is. You know, if, if God is the first cause of everything, and if we have got good reason to believe that the universe is caused, that it has a beginning, and that because it has a beginning, it would require a cause. And if you're suggesting the cause is God, then tell me who caused God. If God created everything, who created God? This is a really common why, – why, mom, should I believe the Bible is telling me anything true? That, that's a very simple – I hear that expressed that way all the time. Mom, tell me why you think the Bible is true. Now, if that's a question your, your kids are asking you, I want you to consider your answer. And I want you to also measure your answer against what you think that Mormon moms and dads are saying to their kids when they're asked, why do you think the Book of Mormon is true? Because if you think your answer – in essence, sounds like theirs, that's not a good answer, right? Right. If it's a matter of saying, well, we just know that it's God's word, and God has breathed this, and that men have, well, that's what the Mormons say. So how do we distinguish between Mormonism and Christianity? Well, we've got to do better than that. How do we know it hasn't been changed over time? How do we know it's even written early enough to have been written by people who even knew Jesus? I mean, if this was written in the second or third century— why would I think any of it is true? I mean, these are simple questions that kids ask me all the time. Right. And I think we have to be ready to, to offer those answers. And I, and I know at first it can, it can feel and sound overwhelming, right? Because you're thinking, well, I don't even know how I would answer those my questions myself. Okay, I get it. But if I asked you, you know, tell me why uh, you think the Flacco should, Flacco should be the, uh, the, the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens. And maybe you're living in Baltimore. And you've got a reason why you think he should be. Well, why, isn't, why shouldn't Lamar be the, the, the quarterback? Right. 
And why do you think he's playing so well this year? And do you think he can play this well next year? I mean, we could talk at length about any number of things in other areas. But then we get to this area and we're like, oh, I don't, I'm not sure what to say on that. Well, OK, now, you know, by the way, if you want to know what you love, tell me what you're spending your time on and tell me what you're spending your money on. And I will tell you what you love. So in the end, this is kind of a first John principle, right, mm-hmm. is that if we say we love him, that we should we should be willing to spend time right. uh, studying him. Preeminent. Right? Yeah, it should be preeminent in everything we do. That's right. That's right. doesn't mean we have to, be, to exclude other things because, trust me, I'm going to be looking at those other things too. Mm-hmm. But I, I ought to be able to at least answer these kinds of questions for my kids. You know, I suspect a lot of us would be able to tell our kids why we think we vote a certain way, but we couldn't answer those questions about Scripture. And I think we have to go back to be able to answer. It should be preeminent. That If you only have 10 answers you can give your kids about anything, they ought to be the answers that are about metaphysical things like God's existence and Christianity rather than things that are like eight steps downfield. Like politics or right. like sports, which is another twenty levels downfield, right? <laughs> these are really important things. So, so we are usually good at answering these things that are like twenty steps away from the core issues, but we're terrible at answering questions about the core issues because it's hard. It's it's harder to study the core than it is just to feed off pop culture yeah, or whatever. About, it's it yeah, think feels about better. foundations, foundations and foundational issues. If you're standing on the ground, you hardly ever think about it. It's always there. You never have to make a case for the dirt. The dirt's always there under your feet. And these are core metaphysical issues that we take for granted and we just assume they're they're true. And now you got some kid who's in your family who's going, hey, why why should I trust this dirt? <laughs> and you're thinking, what are you talking about, man? I've been standing on this dirt my whole life. It's been working out just fine. But now I got somebody who's like, I'm not sure I should stand on this dirt anymore. Maybe I should walk over there to that driveway. <laughs> you know, it's got some concrete over there. And and now we suddenly have to make a case for our foundations, which we've been standing on for years and never looking at them. Mm. Wow, that's powerful right there. How many of us are sitting in the church living that same thing right now, waiting for Pastor John to give us our weeks, our hours worth of uh, living so we can go forth this week and not look at porn or something on our phone, you know, just yeah. not make us feel bad. And I, I know that your passion, one of your passions, uh, having been a, ha, being a father, having been a youth pastor, uh, is our youth because they're not getting it at church. They're not getting it at home, but they're mm-hmm. getting plenty of the other stuff in the institutions of school and, uh, the uh, the college and universities following regular you know up to high school what are some of the ways that we can really gird ourselves as parents and adults uh, to to help answer those questions uh, i know that you've already said it i want to hear you say it again i know it's what we're focusing on jim but we've got so many distractions do we just have to get up in the morning and not look at our phone first and and sit down with Jesus and talk to him for a little while and, and dig into the Bible? Is there – do you have some advice for those of us who are out here just yeah. happy to get up tomorrow morning? Yeah, one of the first things I do when I get up in the morning is look at my phone. And I'm looking at my phone, though, because I follow about 750 blogs of people who are writing about the evidence for God's existence and for Christianity. I'm scanning through those to decide what I'm going to send out to my Twitter feed for those of us who, you know, I want to be a, I want to curate a content. Mm-hmm. And so my Twitter feed has got the top 12 articles each day that make a case for why Christianity is true. 
And I've just been, I'm interested in those kinds of things. And I've, I've got relationships now with all these bloggers because I'm constantly advancing their work. And, and so for me, it's about, no, I think the technology, we can make it, we want, I want to work with it. I want to actually master the technology. Like you and I, we're, we're digital immigrants, but Gen Z, these are all digital natives. Yeah. These are people who never knew a time when there wasn't digital technology delivering content. And so, so that content, we have to master it. And so I would say as parents, it's just about like, well, you know, what are you reading? This comes down to that. What are you reading? And so, yes, I, is prayer important? Of course. And so I think that the disciplines are important. And so my wife and I try our best to be disciplined about our Bible reading, about our time of prayer. But we also, as recreationally, I'm reading about the case for Christianity or I'm writing about the case for Christianity. And so it's a matter of now I would say, look at your podcast, look at you, go to your phone and ask yourself, of all those apps you have, and all of us who are doing this work as apologists, we also have apps for your phone. And ask yourself, am I watching, am I, is the first open a CNN pa- app or the Fox News app? Is the first open, you know, what, what are you opening? What's the first, your go-to thing? What is it? What is it that's bookmarked on Safari on your phone? What is it you're you're scanning? Now we got to ask yourself, okay, do I have any balance here? Ought I be scanning some other things as well? And now you go back and you look for those sources that are are available to you on your phone. And that's now going to become the first thing I open. There's places I serve at Colson Center. Okay, Mm -hmm. that is that's they call the Chuck Colson Center for Christian Worldview. And, and it's a it's a worldview center. I'm a senior fellow there. And that's a great place to go uh, at, at Colson Center just to every day have somebody help you see the world through a Christian lens so that everything that's happening politically, everything that's happening culturally, you're able to see it through a Christian lens. And these are the kinds of organizations where I want to serve. That 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 helped me to remember. By the way, I I also in I I subscribed to all those emails from all those organizations. Every one of these uh, organizations has got a way to subscribe for email. So now my inbox isn't just filled with silly stuff. It's also filled with the important stuff. These are ways as parents that I can remind myself, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, hey, there's more to read. There's there's something else out there. First of all, clear your apps. To make sure your apps are the things you want your life to be, not the things you've just kind of fallen into. Number two, make make sure your inbox has the stuff coming in that you really want. I mean, a lot, most of the stuff is advertising, and but some of us are sending content every day that will help you become a better case maker. Well, okay, that, that's you have to kind of so controlling your inbox and controlling the home screen of your phone are two really practical ways to turn a corner on this issue, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's why I think it's so important for us to it's, it's if you know. You know, I just saw yesterday that 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 the uh, the the app um, the Apple uh, the OIS for the, uh, the the operating system for the um, the OS for the uh, uh, iPhone actually sends you I guess I guess every month what your screen time was for the last month. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's telling me how much time I'm spending looking at the screen of this phone. Mm-hmm. That's helpful, right? So now the question is, if it's telling you you're spending a few hours a month looking at your phone, what percentage of that stuff is actually um, helping you make the case for Christianity? Because you're looking at something. Yeah. It's going to be in your inbox or it's going to be on your home screen. So just change your home screen and change your inbox, and you'll see how things will start to change in your life. I think the easy way uh, – I, th- I, you know, let me say it this way. I think Jesus told us that when he reminded us to be of re- out – in the business of renewing our minds every day. Yes. We don't spend enough time renewing our minds. We, like you said, we're looking at the wrong things. We're spending our time in the wrong places. And that's why when our 16 year old nephew, 
uh, who is, you know, taking college level courses in high school comes in with this really tough, hard, why do you believe God created yeah. the earth in six days or whatever? Uh, we can't answer that like he wants it to be answered because we're worried about what somebody had for breakfast or, yeah, yeah, you know, right. Lamar or, <laughs> you know, whoever, yeah, whoever's right. pitching the, throwing the ball up there in Baltimore yeah, or, yeah, right. you know, is Matt Ryan's foot broken or not? Who knows, yeah, you know? So. Exactly. Yeah. It's not, by the way, you're okay. They, yeah. They, they, <laughs> <laughs> see how bad this is? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and I saw Gano kick a 63 bad. yard okay. field goal yesterday, you know, so I'm yeah, excited I'm not, about I'm, that. I'm here in California, yet I happen to know that his, his MRI came out okay. Why would I know that? Why do I even – this is the kind of stuff yeah. that we're talking about. It's that we have made a choice, and, it's, and it is really about your home screen and your email if you're my age because we do we still use email. Mm-hmm. And it's about, you know, what am I – when I go to that phone, I'm looking at something. Is it just on Instagram? Am I just surfing? I very seldom ever – to me – those social media platforms are the the vocal the, the 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 voice box through which I want to scream the gospel. So everything I do on social media is designed to make a case for Christianity. And I know that lots of people see social media as just your your friends. You're connected to friends. I, I know I get that, but that's not what I'm really interested in. I'm really interested in screaming the gospel. And I know that for a lot of young people, the gospel evangelism is spelled apologetics because they need to know. I've said it before, and we're writing a new book with, with Sean right now, McDowell, on, on teaching apologetics to, to high schoolers. And what I try to say all the time is that this generation needs two whys for every what. You can't just tell your kids what you believe or what the church teaches. They want two whys. Number one, why is it true? Okay, you say this is true about God. You say this is true about Jesus. You say this is true about the Bible. Really? Why? What's the evidence for that? Tell me why this is true. Right. The second true uh, why is, okay, great. You've told me what you believe, and you told me why you think it's true. So why should I care? Mm. And if we don't help our kids see why it's true and why they should care, how it applies to them, then good luck. Because the other other side of the, of the, of the equation is telling them they're making a case for their secular worldview, and they make it evidentially, and they say that those Christians have no evidence. They're all just blind faith people, and they, they say you don't want to be part of a delusion. If you if you believe false things, your life ends up derailed. They're giving the, our kids whys, the two whys for every what, and we're not doing that. And we, we had better start doing that if we want to see things change. And we're seeing those things play out in culture, uh, and we have been for years. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, uh, with the uh, the Supreme Court nomination and all that followed there, and then the uh, near breakdown of society, it, it appeared uh, for some of the younger individuals that they you know focused on on the television programs and whatnot, clawing at the door of the Supreme Court, right. like you're going to open it with your fingernails. Uh, not going down the political road because nobody, everybody's tired of that. But the fact is, the other side is really ahead of us in making the cases for what they want our youth to believe. And they've got the television, the radio, the Internet, and and they're making full use of these things. And like you're saying, uh, we have to get in tune with what tools we have because it's not just our kids going to the library anymore to check a book out. Uh, They have Google and Siri and Mm -hmm. Alexa who will answer all the questions that they have, and they're going to get what somebody else wants them to hear. 
Sorry. Yeah, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you that this is so true, right? I mean, you, if you look at this, um, think about this for a second. I, I always say that I, I try to be as apolitical as I can mm-hmm. because I know there are people on both sides of the aisle who call Jesus Savior, and I get that. And I don't, there's no point in, in, in dividing culture to, to, to preach the gospel. But I do know this, that there's a foundational thing that leads us to make decisions that are four or five steps away. And if all of us believe that the Bible was reliable, and we should take it seriously. Those two things. The Bible is true. It's reliable. It's telling us something true. And two, we should take it seriously. We would all end up in pretty much the same place downfield. What happens is either we have, we're, we're living around people who don't think the Bible is true and, don't, and, and they just ignore it because they think this is a, a, a mythical book full of, of, of you know, fables and, and ancient mythologies. Uh, or they actually do think that the Bible is true, but they've never opened it, read it, or if they do read it, they pluck a verse out to, 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 to suit their purposes. They don't even understand the hermeneutics that you would use to actually see what is the author intending to say in this passage. So either they don't believe it's true or they don't take it seriously. And that's why we end up in all kinds of different positions in culture. So I always feel like, hey, my work, my job is to help people see that the Bible is true and reliable and is telling us something we ought to take seriously. And if I do that, I let culture take care of itself afterwards. But I want to focus with my young people on those first two issues because they're far more likely. We're far more likely to then, – then what we're really doing is we're just kind of uh, navigating the, the, the non-essentials, right? We all agree on the essentials. We're just navigating through the non-essentials. That's a much easier place to be. And also the manner in which we will navigate it will sound different because we've taken the, the moral teaching of Jesus seriously and we love our enemies and we're not going to be as polarized as we are right now, where it's not just that I think you're wrong. It's that if you don't agree with me, you're an evil piece of trash that needs to be eliminated. We kind of have found ourselves in this extreme polarization, yeah. and that is not the nature of Jesus. And so I think if we understood our Bibles are telling us something true and we took them seriously, those things will wash out, with, you know, will come out in the wash. So, so I just think it's, it, that's where I try to stay is I try to stay in the foundational issues upon which everything else stands. And that's one of the uh, the hardest places to go because then emotion comes in, mm-hmm. and it and and all sanity goes out the door when emotion shows up. Yeah, it's true. It's Usually, true. <laughs> well, I think about what what does testimony typically do? When, if we said, "Hey, Chuck, share your testimony with me," what we're really hoping for, and the ones that seem to be on the most stages are the ones that are really emotional, right? I mean, I was a committed drug addict, and God saved. And that that and I I I believe that God does that. Yeah. Okay, don't get me wrong. I believe that happens all the time, and that is powerful, right? Mm-hmm. But but you know you don't you don't. You, I used to think, well, I don't really have a great testimony in the sense that nothing dramatic happened. I just investigated the case for Christianity and determined it was true. Evidentially, it doesn't really sound all that great, right? It's just that's just. But but the reality of it is is that you have to if you if you if you rest on the emotional side of it, you know the heart is is wicked and deceptive according to Scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is. It's not renewing your heart. It's renewing your mind that we have to do in order to be transformed in this way. So I, I do think in the end that of this ba- – we at least have to have a balance between head and heart. But I would – I don't trust my heart to tell me things because I just don't think it's trustworthy. You've, you've spent a lot of time uh, writing, investigating. Some of your, some of your books are, are, are out there. All of your books are out there and available. If, if someone said, hey, I really like this guy, I want to – to learn more about his writing, 
I know a lot of guys don't like to read books for some reason. I'm a book yeah. eater. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But I know. <laughs> you've got multiple podcasts and opportunities. You've mentioned many links that you could share. What's the if if a parent came to you with teenagers and said, Jim, I really I want to go. I, I want to be able to provide this for my children. But where do I start? What is the book that you've created that you would point them to first? I would I would start with Cold Case Christianity, and I've got Cold Case Christianity for kids to, for eight to twelve year olds. But you know this is why we are Sean and I are now writing a book that's called um, So the Next Generation Will Know, and it really is just about to answer that question for parents because parents want to know how do I teach this to my kids, and they want a very practical answer that. They can get you can get books and resources that tell you what we believe, mm-hmm. and even can make the case for why it's true. But then there becomes a very practical aspect of okay, I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I need to know what that day looks like. I need to know what this looks like in real life with my kids, or if I'm a youth pastor with my students, or if I'm a Christian educator with my classroom. And so we knew we needed a resource out there. And I think I, my heart is broken for – I get that. We get that question so much. And I feel like I, – I, I feel bad that I'm always pointing someone to a book. And I'll tell you why. Because it feels like you know, I, I did, as, a, as a non-Christian, I did not trust people who were Christians because they're always selling a book. I mean it's like <laughs> ridiculous, right? They got something they're selling. And, and I'm just not interested in, in – and that is not why I'm in this – I have a pension as a detective – uh, I I just got to a point where I was like, okay, this is my I want with my life to do what I think God has called me to do, and this is true, so I can actually help uh, make the case for somebody, and and that's what uh, we decided to do. But I will tell you, uh, yeah, you can get my book, you can get, but but that's look, there's so much that's out there right now that you could access right. for a season at least that is entry level that is free. So I would say, you know, first visit the website at coldcasechristianity.com because I will be pointing to all kinds of other people and all kinds of materials that you can get for free. And that's where you start. Now, at some point, you know, if you're a Dallas Cowboy fan, well, you're going to end up buying some biography of, of the Dallas or some, you know, his, nonfiction book related to the Dallas Cowboys. But for a lot of years, you're just reading your apps and just reading the, you know, the front page of the of the newspapers to learn about the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you're like, well, I, I actually I want to be a little more of an expert. I don't know why you would want to be, but let's say you wanted to be. Well, this is what happens here. We've got enough here, I think, for uh, people to to engage for free. But then at some point, yeah, you're gonna if you want to go deep dive. Um, and and by the way, why wouldn't you want to deep dive? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're gonna deep dive on one area, it should be this one. Yeah. So it is, this is one thing that I remember when I first became a Christian. I was reading C.S. Lewis. He said something that was so powerful. He said, if Christianity is not true, it's of no importance. But if it is true, it's of critical importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. Either it's not important at all, or it's the most important thing you're ever going to know. Hmm. Now, we got to make a decision. I know a lot of Christians who treat it like it's moderately important. Yeah, It can't be that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's either one or the other. And so I think it's time for us to make a decision about whether we think this is, is just moderately important or not. And that's a heck of a challenge for us men out here who are, you know, busy and we've got, we've got every excuse in the book to, that's right. mm-hmm. but, but it, it has to come down to the legacy and tomorrow. We have to prepare for those things today. The farmer doesn't go to the field and expect the corn to be standing up ready to be harvested when he never planted seeds. That's right. So yeah, we that's have true. to, we have to now prepare 
If you've got three year olds, you're already behind. If you're not, you're not studying. And I'm not making, I'm not mocking you. I'm behind as well with a 15 year old. But this is the time, men, where Jim's challenge is here. I mean, this is something we have to do to maintain the legacy and to to make sure our children don't grow up and turn into a lost generation. Yeah, this is so true. And this is this is this is why I think when we personalize it and we look at our own kids that are in your own family. I mean, if you don't love the church and young people in the church, okay, I you know, look, we all have distractions and seasons in life, but but if you're raising kids, I bet you you love your own kids. Oh yeah. And I bet you you're going to spend some serious money to send those kids and get them educated to college. And and there's a lot of stuff you're hoping for you you imagine in your head a certain outcome with your own kids. Well, what if I told you if you want that outcome, you're going to take this more seriously, mm-hmm. or you might raise kids who don't even share your worldview. Wow! Um, and I think that that would that would motivate me to, to act. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping to do with everybody else. Jim, we appreciate you being here with us. Uh, give us your website one more time, if you will. Yeah, for sure. It's coldcasechristianity.com, and we have an academy for kids at casemakersacademy.com. Cool. And uh, you do have a podcast. It's quite intriguing, and it's, it's, it's so cool to listen. It's, it's very challenging for me to, to listen to your program and not get something out of it. I, it feels like every time I listen, I've learned something new. And my faith has has gotten stronger because of it. I really appreciate you being here with us as well today. Well, hey, thanks, brother. I'll tell you what, I'll probably put your podcast as one of my podcasts. I think this is an important uh, message that I don't typically talk about, you know, but you're reaching an audience right now. I just want to encourage you. You're reaching an audience that I think uh, is vital. Uh, it's, been, it's been statistically demonstrated in the past that if you target women, you don't often get their husbands. But if you target men, you get the whole family. Yeah. And, and that is something that, that we as men have a, 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 a that's sobering. It is. Also, I will tell you, having worked gangs for as many years as I worked gangs, I saw that the only common denominator that young gang members have was not race, socioeconomic. It wasn't what side of the tracks they were raised on. It's always lack of dad. Wow. And lack of dad looks different. For each group, I had some some Korean gangsters where dads were like they were home, but they were working like eighty hours a week in a business that they brought over from the uh, from the old world, and they were, hadn't even learned to speak English yet, and their kids had no dad in their life really. I've worked kids who never knew dad, or dads were locked up, or dads were just drunks who never got involved with their kids' lives. But it's some form of lack of dad that was the common denominator, and that really shook me. And so, if we're if we're looking to we typically say, well, what should moms teach their kids about Christianity? No, it's not that, guys. It's what should we be teaching our kids? Right. We're the priest and king of our house, right? That's right. Wow. Jim, thank you. You've been, you've been quite challenging to us today, but I appreciate it. And I appreciate your transparency and your candid uh, ability to share your heart. And uh, as you've continued to search and continue to make the case for Christianity, not only in your life, your family's life, the kids' lives in the youth group, uh, but the people all around the world who follow you social media-wise and, and whatnot. Thank you so much for, for your contribution. Hey, thanks, oh, yeah, I appreciate being here with you. Thanks so much. Remember, you can learn more about Jay Warner Wallace, his ministry, podcast, books, etc. at the Modern Christian Men podcast website. That's modernchristianmen.com. Till next time, thank you very much for listening. God bless each and every one of you. We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to the Modern Christian Men podcast. You can find us online at modernchristianmen.com.